on today's show, I'm going to be talking with Hoos, or or maybe he'll tell Very us good. the better way to say it. Uh, he is from the Netherlands, uh, has traveled to London, and has now landed in San Francisco, and has just released two exciting songs and videos. One is called Baron Saturday, and the just-released Moon Hanging Man. We're going to talk about those and his love of New Orleans and and everything uh, Americana. So welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Kelly. Very much uh, appreciated. Very happy uh, to be here. And uh, good job on uh, pronouncing my uh, name. It's a challenge for me. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'd, I'd like to hear it directly from you. So how do you pronounce your name? My name is Gus. Okay. Very pleasure good. meeting you. Well, good to meet you too. And first of all, you're yes. my first Dutch guest, so I have to pick your brain about that a little bit. Uh, before you moved to London, like, how much of your life did you spend in the Netherlands? Oh, that was that was a big part. I was was my thirties, and then I went to London. It was 2012 that I went to London. Oh. Okay. Perfect. Oh my God, are you forty? I'm over forty. Oh, Next no. topic. I, I, <laughs> <laughs> I, I would I would kill to be in my forties again. Oh really? <laughs> I feel to be in my thirties, so I know what you mean. <laughs> well, tell me, um, in the Netherlands, what province are you from? I'm well. Wow, that's a that's a niche question. I'm originally from Gelderland, Arnhem. Well, actually, originally I'm from Zuid-Holland, uh, near Rotterdam. That's where my parents grew up, and they had me as a little baby. But before I was one, I went to uh, to Arnhem near the German border, and uh, that's where I grew up. And then kind of moved around a bit during university, but ultimately went back to uh, the beautiful city of uh, Rotterdam later on in life. Oh, very good. Well, now we have a chance to educate people a little bit. And this is a, the little research I did, because I just had to be sure for you. As mm -hmm. I know, especially here in America, a lot of people use Holland interchangeably with <laughs> Netherlands, you know, to represent the whole country. I know you have two provinces, North Holland, South Ho Holland. But uh, two years ago, the government kind of put their foot down and said, they basically said, what, only use Netherlands. Right, now I'm going to sound stupid because I'm not aware of what you're saying about what happened two years ago. But I, oh my I goodness. this is a topic of confusion. I don't own a car here in San Francisco in America, which is quite unique. I Uber all the time everywhere. Still need to buy a car here, which means I talk to a lot of people internationally. And this is on a daily basis, a conversation. Uh, what is the Netherlands? What, what, so it, it's... You know, the Netherlands is the country. Holland is used to be the synonym. You said something that happened two years ago that I'm not aware of. But, you know, the difference that you could make is you have South and North Holland, which combined does not equal the Netherlands. But I think um, it only becomes more confusing when you learn that in the Netherlands they speak the Dutch language. You know, that's 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 another point of confusion. So it's that's that's what it is. The, in my book, the Netherlands is the same as Holland and we speak Dutch. Now, when you speak Dutch, is it still okay to refer to you as being Dutch? Yes, it's pretty much the same thing. I'd say in Belgium, that is the, 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 the northwestern part of Belgium speaks Dutch, but I guess Belgians prefer that you say they speak Belgian. Okay. Well, the one thing I did see on Wikipedia 
They said in January of 2020, the uh, the government in the Netherlands officially said, let's not use Holland as a synonym for Netherlands. So I think, especially if it's a government-related thing, they, yeah. they just like you to use the initials NL. Yeah, yeah. Well, you see how distance I've become from my own roots through all those years, <laughs> not even knowing that. <laughs> Okay, then I got it. Since you haven't been there for a while, I'm going to put you on the spot. Yeah. Uh, the Netherlands is a country that has both a king and a prime minister. Mm -hmm. So who is the current king in the Netherlands? Uh, um, it's Willem, Prince Alexander, uh, Koning Alexander. Koning Alexander. I'm speaking Dutch now, sorry. Alexander. <laughs> Excellent. And who is the current prime minister? It's it's Mark Rutte, that's his name. All right, you you passed the test, so we can move on. Thank God. <laughs> but, but thank you for thank you for indulging me because you are basically an ambassador for the Netherlands today, and you're oh, my God. and the audience will greatly appreciate all these tidbits here. I'm gonna wait till later to talk about other Dutch singers, maybe uh, give you a little quiz then, but. So when you left uh, the Netherlands in your 30s, went to London, what brought you to London? That was work-related, actually. Uh, it, uh, I, uh, I have a little bit of a side gig next to my music, which is a career in banking <laughs> at that time. <laughs> and uh, it was during the banking crisis that I actually uh, uh, had to move out of the country. The uh, economy was pretty dead during the crisis in the Netherlands. And there was much more activity in uh, in London, so that's that's how I actually ended up going there. So it was work that brought me there. Okay, and then from London, when did you move to San Francisco? That was exactly on the day of lockdown. So I moved here with my wife, and uh, she moved a little earlier for work as well. And I arrived, I think, on March seventeenth. It was. I had my ticket booked. For, for, for the Tuesday, and two days before I heard that there was a flying ban to America on the exact day of my ticket. So within two days time, I had to reschedule to fly one day earlier. And uh, my first day in San Francisco was uh, filled with uh, empty streets and silence. Very impressive. So when you came to the US, when did you actually get to visit New Orleans? Mm. New Orleans goes way, way back. I've had an infatuation with New Orleans way before I ever visited it. I'm also a big film geek and, you know, you get to know the city of New Orleans through cinema, through music, etc. And uh, that's, that was in my early teens that um, I was, uh, I think it was the movie Angel Heart that I saw. You, you know that movie? With Robert De Niro? And Mickey Rourke, Francis Ford Coppola. I think, oh no, it was Alan Parker, isn't it? Yeah, that one. Yeah, great film. Fantastic movie. I think that's the first thing that really got me into onto New Orleans. And so I've always had a, a, a dream of visiting because it just looked so awesome. And during university, I did an exchange program and I made sure uh, uh, to not pass up on the opportunity to visit the city of uh, New Orleans. And I'm thinking, was it during the crisis as well? that I really tried to build up a network to move to New Orleans and uh, visited the city again with the network that I uh, built up there and uh, spent some time there there again. And yeah, it's always been uh, 
very mm -hmm. fascinating city to me. So when you think of New Orleans, who are the musicians you most associate with that? Dr. John. Mm -hmm. Dr. John, obviously. That's that's the that's the main one. It's um, it's not specifically fandom of one specific music or musician over there. It's just the whole culture of the city. It's uh, all the old local traditionals that they play there. Uh, Dr. John, I think, makes music that does inspire me a lot in the, in the way, kind of the gritty way uh, he does it. Uh, met his piano player, by the way, in on, on, on New Year's Eve when, uh, when I was there. Um, uh, he, he was playing at the restaurant and had a conversation with him. And um, so, yeah, that, that inspires me, but it's also very much the visuals of the city, right? The fact that it's a melting pot, uh, the, the architecture, uh, the food, the liveliness, uh, all of that just really, really inspires me. Mm -hmm. In the Netherlands, is there anything equivalent? Is there anything <laughs> close to that? <laughs> no, and I think that that's it exactly right. I mean, the grass is always greener on the other side, so it's it's such an exotic place for a Dutch guy, you know. Uh, just like a lot of Americans will think, the Netherlands is a quite exotic, and Europe, <laughs> and uh, that's in the same way. America has always really appealed to me, and I think uh, mm -hmm. New Orleans uh, most of all. You know? Well, in addition to Dr. John. I saw some of your other inspirations, people like Tom Waits, yeah. John Coltrane, Otis Redding, uh, mm -hmm. Chet Baker. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So when, when did you get first turned on to them? So I'll tell you that those are very much inspirations for the music I'm, I'm making now. But throughout my life, I've been inspired by punk, hip hop, R&B, soul, jazz, uh, uh, all, all sorts of blues, um, and they all are in different parts of my life. I, Tom Waits is probably the very first one because my father is a big Tom Waits fanatic. So I grew up in a household with two hippie parents, and uh, they both shared the love for hippie music like Cat Stevens, but the stuff that was a bit more rough was more for my father. So he listened to a lot of Tom Waits, Lou Reed, Neil Young. And uh, Tom Waits has always stuck with me. I've, I've yeah, never let go of that. And that's somebody who really, really inspires me in how he makes music. Like myself, he's very much inspired by the old roots music, the early beginnings of, of, of the blues and, and uh, you know, the sounds of the South. And, um, and so, yeah, that, that really stuck with me. But it wasn't until my late teens that I really started listening to, uh, to jazz. And, and, and soul. And again, it's not, I mean, in some ways, he's definitely a big hero of mine, but mm -hmm. don't have particularly a fandom. I mean, Otis Redding is definitely a favorite of mine, but for, for one artist, but it's the genres that really inspire me how music is made, how music was made at that time, and uh, kind of combining that, etc. Yeah. Well, being, being hippies, your parents uh, must love that you're in San Francisco, especially there's such a romanticized version of San Francisco in the 1960s, the summer of love. This was basically, you know, hippie central. Yeah, yes, absolutely. It's funny that you say that because they actually uh, planned to move here when they they visited here. So my parents have spent their whole life, maybe I got it from them, 
traveling to the U.S. every single year. They they rent a, a, a camper or a car or whatever, and they pick a couple of states that they would cross. San Francisco was by far their favorite city, and they planned to uh, to move when I was a, a young guy. And uh, then my sister got a child, and that stopped them from going. That's where they said, okay, no, we're going to hold off on that plan. And now, lo and behold, I'm the one that actually ended up here. So, uh, yeah, that is pretty amazing. Were they, were they thrilled when you said you were moving there? Um, yes, they were. Well, uh, unfortunately, my mother just passed last uh, summer, last year. Uh, she had dementia. So it's, um, she's seen me move out of the country to London. She's seen what, what great things it has done and how it opened up my world. And, uh, but the plans for America when I came here didn't really penetrate as much into her consciousness as, as it could have in the past. But uh, yeah, my dad recently visited and uh, you know, he's happy as a kid. He, he loves it here. Uh, oh, that's yeah, that's great. He was able to visit you. Mm -hmm. You know, did your parents listen to that 60s San Francisco sound when you were growing up, like Jefferson Airplane? I don't know, The Grateful Dead. Uh, no, no, I really recall uh, Cat Stevens. I recall the Beach Boys. They didn't have a a love for 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 San Francisco particularly. I mean, I know they were hippies, but I'm not aware of how aware they were of the movement in San Francisco at that time, you know? It was mm -hmm. uh, before globalization, so it probably was the own, <laughs> they had their own Dutch hippie culture uh, where they were roaming around in, so I'm not aware of them listening to any specific uh, acts from, from the area. Well, let's talk about Baron Saturday. Sure. Which is a recent single and video and isn't Baron Saturday? That that's like the English version of Baron Samedi. Baron Baron Samedi. Yeah, that's correct. That's correct. It's it's the English translation of the French word Baron Samedi, which is a spirit in the voodoo world. Another thing that uh, a reason for New Orleans to appeal to me. You know, I thought very interesting voodoo uh, uh, culture. I'm not a uh, I'm not a uh, <laughs> of the voodoo religion or practicing <laughs> in that sense, but I thought it was definitely very uh, uh, inspiring. And uh, that's where the name comes from, yeah, Baron Sambedi. It's, um, it's a song about New Orleans, right? And so I have been kind of being the, the, the spokesperson of the city, that's the wrong word, I guess, but um, the image for how I see the city. So that's that's where the name come came from originally. And in the video, it seems like you're playing that character. That's right. That is correct. <laughs> it's true. That was a lot of fun to do. Yeah, and you have like the makeup, which almost looks like a mask, and you're in the cemetery, which, you know, one unique thing about the cemeteries, you know, they bury people above the ground. Right. Yes. Continue. <laughs> well, this is the things that's so unique there, like, and not just coming from another country to the U.S. Mm -hmm. It's fascinating to go there because it is like its own special country almost. It it has such a specific culture there that's so different than the rest of the country. Oh, right. You mean in in uh, Louisiana Cemetery? 
Yes. Yes. Yeah, um, just the just the cemeteries look so different and, and they're so atmospheric. No, yeah, absolutely. I'm gonna uh, have to clarify though that this cemetery was also in London. Oh, really? Yes, uh, but it was fully shot with the intention to make it look like a Louisiana cemetery. So when I visited Louisiana, oh. I went to the, I think it's called the Louis Armstrong uh, Cemetery Park. And uh, that was very inspiring. And indeed, now I know what you're talking about, burying people uh, above ground and, and, and the way it looks. And I was amazed by uh, the beauty of the cemetery that was right next to our old home in East London. Um, which very much had that feel. And, and you're right, individuals, I was very much inspired by, uh, by Voodoo, by Baron Samedi and uh, everything about it. It's, uh, it's, it's the style that really, uh, that really appeals to me. Now, why did you go to London to shoot that and not New Orleans? This, this is uh, when I still lived in London. This was before pandemic that the video was shot. Okay. When did you move to San Francisco? Um, the first day of lockdown, what was it? So this oh, video okay. is, 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 is a little older. It was just not, I wasn't able to release it before this. So. Okay. It's, it's a new release. Well, you just, did a good job of, I think, in that cemetery in London. Mm -hmm. you, you got all these gravestones that went up really high, like towers, like these obelisk stone structures. Yeah, yeah, amazing. Yeah, and I thought that, it was stunning. Yeah, so. is that unique to London? Do you see a lot more more tombstones like that there? London is definitely where Americans talk about historic Europe. London is definitely uh, an example of that, right? So, Moon Hanging Man, the video was also shot in uh, that was shot right next to where I lived uh, in, in in East London. And and it's uh, you know to describe it, it's 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 where Jack the Ripper. You you heard of Jack the Ripper, the killer from the old London uh, yeah. Tales in, in the in the UK. Oh yeah, they're, they're still talking about him. Yes, exactly. <laughs> it's like his old stomping grounds where I used to live in East London, and uh, it's a very gothic-looking place. And although London has uglified in many places with new modern industrial buildings. They're still all over the city, scattered around, I'd say all over the country, very pretty, beautiful, gothic looking, historic castles, cemeteries, uh, buildings, which, uh, what have you, and parks. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a stunning place. You have them all around. You know, I was recently watching this British TV oh. series and one of the characters gave a tour of all the places Jack the Ripper murdered his victims. Oh, right. Do they still have those tours there? Yes, I never taken one, but I know they do. Yes, absolutely. I know they had one of those. Uh, I moved around a little bit in the Myland Whitechapel area in East London, which is uh, that specifically that area. And I remember them having uh, even local spots where they sold tickets, etc. And uh, yeah, there a lot of that going on. Well, you definitely covered that neighborhood with your drone shots thank you <laughs> was it fun to have a drone because i know like people don't realize from the actor's point of view when you're being shot by a drone you can't see it when it's high up but when it swoops down it kind of startles you mm. 
No, I did not have that. I put my full confidence in the, the videographer that I uh, that I hired. And um, I have to say, like many musicians, I am a perfectionist and I had very specific visuals in mind. And I think when you watch the video of Moonhanging Man, that is pretty much exactly what the video looked like in my head before I made it. <laughs> so uh, I just did my thing by kind of walking around and singing and looking uh, melancholically in the, in the distance. And uh, I left the rest up to him. I saw his work and uh, it was great stuff. So I, I let him do whatever he wanted. And uh, yeah, those drone shots worked out very well. I had to have that skyline in there. That that park is in there. That's uh, that's Tradega Square where he used to live. And uh, and uh, yeah, awesome. What's the meaning uh, behind Moon Hanging Man? Well, if you don't mind me saying, I will tell you that. But I do want to talk about the meaning behind Baron Saturday as well, because we skipped over that with a very positive outlook on the great imagery and and looks uh, on that. And uh, explaining Baron Samadhi is named after the voodoo culture in, in the New Orleans, uh, in the city of New Orleans. Well, well yeah, we, let's let's cover both. You know what we can do is we can ping pong. We, sure. we can ping pong back and forth <laughs> at our whim. We can go from Baron to the moon hanging man and back again. Let's do that. Let's do that. I'm sorry to sidetrack from your, from your line of questioning, but I thought we cannot go over Baron Saturday, like it's just a happy, joyful dancing song in a cemetery. It's a song that is actually inspired by the, uh, the, the, the horrible tragedy that happened in, in, in uh, New Orleans with Hurricane Katrina. And that's what the lyrics are all about. Uh, Baron Saturday is purely symbolic in, 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 uh, in, the, in the video and for the, for the title of the song. But it's about the horrors and the devastation that uh, the, the, the city was subdued to. Uh, how it was ignored by the man, to put it that way, and uh, uh, mistreated, and 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 in general, it's you know, I I have a thing where I write lyrics that forgetting about the little man, minorities having no place, uh, being different, being ignored, uh, you know, that's something that uh, that uh, uh, fires me up. And inspires me. So that's really what that song is about. It's about the beautiful city of New Orleans, the strength in how it has overcome a disaster, but it's also about the disaster that happened and the tragedy of how some groups in society are, are seem to be less important than others, according to other people. So that's actually the meaning behind the song. So when Katrina struck, where were you living? I was in the Netherlands. And how did you get your news about it? Like, what made the biggest impression for you? Was it the, the television, cable news? How did you learn about it? Uh, yeah, exactly that. Uh, it was the news, you know, you'd see it on TV. You'd see, um, um, you'd see the people sitting on their roofs while the city was on fire or filled with water. Uh, I, I have one sentence in the song which refers to a picture of George Bush in his private plane, I think it was, looking out on the city, flying high above, high and dry, you know? And it's imagery like that that really stuck with me. You know, how something, uh, something huge that impacts the lives of so many people can happen. And that, uh, you know, I don't want to get too political about it, but, um, but something like that can happen and... and uh, mm -hmm. 
be paid less attention to than maybe when it would happen in uh, in Hollywood. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. At what point did you know you wanted to write a song about it? I think it was that picture of uh, President Bush in the plane. Mm -hmm. When I saw that, that kind of that's when it kind of all came together. The whole feeling and this is the symbol and the symbolics behind it, the meaning behind it, being above, being high and dry, looking down upon disaster. You know, I think that that was um, that was what kind of riled me up. It kind of lit the fire in me that uh, I wanted to write this. And you had already had an interest in New Orleans before that. So did this just make everything come together for you? Yeah, I mean, it's granted that the, 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 the appeal of the city is, is, is music, culture, uh, a lot of the outside, you know, I'm, I, I, I can't consider myself one of the people off, but I still, based on all the, the, the fascination I have with the Deep South, the, the history behind the Deep South going way back, you know, um, uh, makes me probably empathize with that more, right? I think that's that's what it is. It uh, sparks the imagination, comes in harder, I guess. Okay. Well, we're gonna ping back to Moon Hanging Man, <laughs> as promised. <laughs> From ping to but, pong. <laughs> but I think both songs for me when I think about them, you know, what made me think of you know the singer Sting. Yes. Hopefully, when you're in London, you had dinner with him or something. Oh, yes. but <laughs> you didn't. You didn't get the invitation to Sting's house. Well, maybe next time. But do do you remember on? Uh, I think it was on his first solo album. He did a song called "Moon Over Bourbon Street." Um, do you remember that? Yes, yes I remember that. So I think he had a very romanticized idea of. New Orleans also. Yes. You know what? I know this song. And this is the first time I'm putting the two together. <laughs> <laughs> I had never thought of that. But that's, yeah, that's true. Exactly. Because there's something about if you don't live there, like you're seeing it from an outsider, you get a very special perspective. And, you know, often a very romantic perspective or an idealized perspective. Yes. Yes, you're absolutely right. Absolutely. Um, I mean, you may have read in some of your material, I'm a diehard traveler, right? Mm -hmm. And one of the aspects about that is the initial appeal is that the grass always looks greener on the other side. Uh, there's a very romanticized idea about all kinds of places where you've never been. You know, so that's, that's where the initial appeal comes from. And once you're there, that that changes. And, uh, but, but you learn. That's the most fascinating thing about it, right? You, you learn, you get to know more people, you can expand your mind, you can broaden your mind and grow as a human being. And that's what I've always found yeah, the, the best thing about uh, 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 traveling the world. So absolutely, I have a love for New Orleans in a way that you can probably only have by not living there. <laughs> Very romanticized mm -hmm. idea. However, having visited a couple of times and knowing people from there, they love the city as well. You know, it's it's 
it's something about the identity that 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 appeals to you. Every city, every country has its own identity that you can either relate to or not. You know? Well, it'd be sort of like an American who goes to the Netherlands for the first time. Oh yeah, and it's, and then they're disappointed not to see a a, a giant windmill in every neighborhood. <laughs> True, true. We're looking to buy a home here in the Bay Area. I don't know if you ever watched those shows with people wanting to buy homes, but it's funny when you see Americans go to the Netherlands and they come there with this romanticized idea about Amsterdam with the canals and the bicycles. And then they realize how tiny houses are in the Netherlands. You know, when you come to America, everything is bigger. And uh, that's that's the first disillusion that, that you go through. And uh, that's, you know, that happens everywhere. When you go somewhere else, you, you realize what you missed from the place that you left. But you do enjoy the benefits, to the reasons why you went to that place to begin with, right? Mm -hmm. Now, you have visited New Orleans since Katrina. Mm. Yes. No. So, uh, yeah, yeah, since Katrina, yes, sorry. So what was your reaction when you saw this beautiful city that you loved and romanticized and then you saw the devastation? Uh, yeah, that was hard hitting. I actually, you know, I, I initially went there on, on my own uh, the last time, which really enabled me to kind of get to know some people locally. I met a guy, I went to a church because I wanted to experience, have that experience of singing the gospel, hearing the music, being amongst the people there. And I met a guy who set me up with a guy who was from, um, from Ninth Ward and, uh, and the area that was hit by the hurricane. And he took me for a drive and uh, past the levees that broke. And, and um, yeah, you could see the devastation and it was, remarkable you know it was um yeah, it was unbelievable mm -hmm. it was unbelievable yeah all right here's a trivia question for you so we've established the netherlands has a king and a prime minister mm -hmm. and and in the way that say um the uk has well currently a queen and a prime minister what is the name for that governmental setup do you know uh, you mean uh, well monarchy is the fact that you have a king or a queen uh, yes what, what do you call it when you combine it with an elected official leading as well um dan don't google it you can't look this up that's cheating <laughs> let me let me fill this out in google oh no you're no, googling I, it I, I didn't, I didn't have, know this. I, I, I didn't I have time. A mixed government. Now, here's what it is. I only uh, <laughs> looked this up this morning when I was checking out your country. It's called a constitutional monarchy. So as opposed to a monarchy where there's no constitution, which is lawless. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> Just ruled by a monarch. <laughs> there you go. Maybe it's so that the monarch has a, a puppet prime minister yeah. so it gives the appearance of a democracy <laughs> with the benefits of a non-lawless constitutional structure yeah so who's your favorite 
Dutch royal of all time. I don't have any. No, I couldn't care less, to be honest with you. You know, I mean, when I grew up, we had Queen Beatrix. I saw her once. And, oh. you know, I am a white male. It has never really impacted me that much. But obviously, monarchy stems from periods where uh, a lot of wealth was uh, gathered by pillaging and raping uh, uh, part, other parts of the world. So I'm not necessarily a fan from a political perspective. Um, on the other hand, I'm not passionately, principally against it. We've had a monarchy kind of for fun in the Netherlands. She didn't have that much to say. And, you know, it was made the Netherlands stand out from other countries. So, and I'd seen her. So that's the name I would mention. But I have no particular interest in, in, in the monarchy. Well, to go from the monarchy in the netherlands to the monarchy in the uk mm. now in america you must just sigh a, a big sigh of relief that because there's no monarchy breathing down your neck um well seriously in the netherlands it didn't mean anything it wasn't breathing down our neck there was no no real strong decision making capacity from from our queen she was there for form for fun and to kind of parade around more than anything else, I would say. Um, so I didn't feel that breathing down our neck. Factually, of course, you pay taxes for it, right? But then again, as a European, you're used to paying tax. So it just comes on top of a mountain of tax. <laughs> I hear there's a lot of taxes over there. Yeah, that's true. No, but I, 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 I jest a bit. It, it is hard, I think, to comprehend that here in the U.S. Mm -hmm. You know, the, the freedom-loving... United States of America, but what are the big differences you feel here, you know, that maybe aren't obvious to us? Are there any extra freedoms you feel or extra restrictions? It's the extremities. I mean, Europe is struggling with the challenges of governing a plot of land the size that it is with such vast cultural differences. And in America, the task of leadership is to unite people that come from everywhere, you know, from totally different cultures and, 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 and backgrounds, from small villages that have never even seen a whatever kind of person, a gay person, a black person, a, a, a whatever, to the big cities, to New York and, and Los Angeles. And it's uh, so the extremities are huge to be um, present in one country. The Netherlands is the opposite of that, right? It's mm -hmm. uh, it's 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 much more unity and cohesiveness um, uh, in that sense. the the difference The differences are totally not extreme. If you look at the political left or the political right, the difference is minor. And I would say. The political left here in the U.S. is probably more right than the political right in the Netherlands as well. You know, it's very, it's it's very different in uh, in, in that regard. So um, I think that is that is the main thing. I'm in an interracial relationship myself here. Uh, myself here. I mean, I'm married to a, an African woman, which I met in London, and uh, that's weird in some places here. You know. Um, 
when I lived in the Netherlands, I had a lot of uh, friends that weren't white. Rotterdam is less than 50% white where I was from, actually. Mm -hmm. Integration was immense. And here I live in San Francisco. Right now I'm sitting at, at, at the bay with a window looking out on the bay in San Francisco, looking at Oakland. The difference between when you go out on the street in San Francisco and then you cross the bridge, it's a 10 minute ride and you come to Oakland and the people that live there. It's segregation, you know, it's, 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 yeah, that's, it's very, in that sense, it's very different from, uh, from, from what I know in, in Europe. Don't get me wrong, I love the States, by the way. <laughs> I don't want to be mm -hmm. I don't want to too politically extreme, but I absolutely love this country. I love the Bay, and I think it's fantastic. But that is mm -hmm. definitely something that uh, kind of hits you hard. Mm -hmm. Well, San Francisco's always been a bit spendy, but I think in the, especially the last decade, it, the cost of living is so high there. And I know that's really impacted people who work and you know want a place that's not too far to commute to mm -hmm. their job and it's really priced a lot of people out of the city yeah absolutely right yeah i'm like i said i'm looking to buy a home and it's that's well that's not going to happen in san francisco for sure right i mean i barely managed to pay rent here um rent is uh i mean i thought london was bad i yeah. think rent is definitely worse here though um rent london is is i paid double in london from what i paid in the netherlands but here you pay pretty much triple in terms of rent whereas houses you cannot buy a house in the city center of london either that's not going to happen either and that's the same thing you cannot just buy. well you can if, if you can pay four uh, million slash millions but um if you can't that's going to be very uh, very difficult and that's 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 crazy that's you definitely have to go uh to the outer regions of uh, of of the bay. Mm -hmm. Sounds like you have an amazing view there. Yeah, it's a bit. I'm in a bay window, as they funnily call it. I hadn't heard that word. <laughs> so I'm looking to the left, and I see the view. It's not like I'm in some leveraged luxury condo with a balcony overlooking. But yeah, I the view is absolutely stunning. Yeah, it's 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 great. I can see nice. the ships roll by sitting on the dock of a bay you know to make a musical reference here watching the ships roll by roll in and it's uh, amazing looking at the open what? well the only way to see the bay is from a bay window <laughs> exactly <laughs> okay i've got a, another quiz and this is where i'm expecting you to be an ambassador for the netherlands oh here we go again just, gonna just do it real quick <laughs> Because you're you're part of a long line. Well, you're part of a long line of yeah. singers from the Netherlands that are sharing your culture with the world. So I want I want to uh, just throw out some people that have been prominent outside of the Netherlands who really you know made some waves. I think a big one was Anouk. Yeah, wasn't she? Didn't she become popular in the '90s? Yeah, something like that. Yeah, she was. She came popular when you had the um, Alanis Morissette, the AAEA, mm -hmm. what's going on, you know, mm -hmm. in that era, uh, female empowerment. And, nice. Uh, I think that was the time when Anouk uh, blew up in the Netherlands as well. Yeah. And I think she had a big song that crossed over around the world called Nobody's Wife. Yeah, that's right. I remember that one. 
Okay, here's one I think you would like. Because he named himself after an American country rock singer or kind of rebel country guy. Whalen. Remember Whalen? Yeah, yeah. Nice dude as well. I mean, I don't know him personally, but uh, uh, yeah, he made some, he's a very good singer, uh, clearly inspired by old soul. And uh, yeah, I like Whalen. Mm -hmm. It's a good one. Yeah, because I think it was one of the one of the judges on the X Factor or Voice or was it something like that in the Netherlands? Oh, uh, nice. Okay. <laughs> well, I saw online one of his big hits was called "Wicked Way." Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, and I think if you think of Waylon Jennings, I think a lot of people refer to his style as outlaw country. Mm -hmm. All right, two quick ones: Mario Barato. Who's that? I don't know. I, I guess he's, he didn't retain his popularity. And the last one is a group, a female-led heavy metal band called Within Temptation. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's, um, that's not really... That's a different style. Let's put it that way. Goth, right? Kind of goth. I get, one of the songs I saw in their video was called Ice Queen. Okay, yeah. No, yeah, I know them. I know of them. You're forgetting okay. the biggest one, though. Golden Earring, Radar Love. Oh, my goodness. Golden Earring was from the Netherlands. You see, and I'm old enough that when I was like, yeah. you know, elementary school, that was a big hit. Oh, yeah. I was, yeah. They had awesome videos when I think it was around the same time as MTV came out. I was a kid, then the, I was a kid, and scary videos even. Twilight Zone, I remember. Twilight Zone, that, that was yeah. a big comeback hit for them. That got oh, major yeah. radio airplay. Yeah, I love that. I love that. They were good. Oh, yeah. see, when we're done here, I'm going to have to go to YouTube and listen to both of those. If you go to YouTube, I don't know if you like hip-hop. you like hip-hop in our... In our oh, life? yeah, I like everything, yes. Check out Pete Philly. That's probably my favorite Dutch act. Dutch okay, rap. it's Pete. Pete, and what's the last name? Philly, like Philadelphia. Okay. Pete Philly. I'll check him out. I, I'm intrigued. So is there any other, uh, either musician or just notable person from the Netherlands that I'm missing? Have there been any crossover acting stars? or? Yes. Rutger Hauer. You know him? Of course. Of course. S yes. City, uh, stuff like that. He was in there. Oh, and the director. What's the big director? from Paul Verhoeven. Yes. And then, what's her name? Not the Avengers, but the other superheroes. Uh, How are you thinking of she's blonde? No, um, she's not, no the blonde one is a Rebecca Romaine. That's another. That's the, the, no, oh, no, she's blonde in real life, but they give her brown hair. When she plays that character, <laughs> I think they gave her her own movie. She's really famous. What's her name? Oh my goodness, this is horrible. I can't think of it. I know who you're thinking of. Do you know what is what are the superheroes that can change form and stuff? The guy, the bold guy with uh, who sits in the the bold guy in the wheelchair. What's that franchise um, called? Again? Is that it's not Magneto. X Men. X Men. Professor Professor X or something. She was in Professor X Xavier. Okay. Professor Xavier, as she was in X Men, and her name is Fumke Janssen. There we go. Fumke Janssen. Uh, 
Is that a, that's okay. a different one that you were thinking of, maybe? Famke Janssen is there. Okay. Who's the woman? And she's she's really famous. What is her name? I, she plays like in the Avengers. You know, she's in the skin tight black suit and she's Russian, but she goes by a superhero name. Avengers? Yeah. Uh, you know, she's really famous. Correct. What the heck? Like, like her, she's got this like Russian alter ego, or and then I she's think, I, what, you're, what you're describing sounds like Scarlett Johansson. I was thinking, yeah, it is Scarlett, oh, is Scarlett part Dutch? No, am I, am I, or am I kind of getting her confused with something a little more? I don't know, maybe with uh, maybe with maybe with uh, uh, Famke Janssen. She looks, she has a very Eastern European. Lithuanian kind of look. Okay. Definitely, okay. definitely. I don't know where she's she's really from. So Famke, is that a common first name in the Netherlands? No, it's actually Femke is a common Dutch name in the Netherlands. I don't know why her parents chose to mess that up, but uh, Femke is a very normal name. Famke is not. Famke Janse Janse is the most uh, common Dutch name uh, uh, there is. So that's uh, her last name. This uh, couldn't be more common. Okay, and then in a nutshell, uh, just culture-wise, mm -hmm. like what, what are the other top um, things the Netherlands is known for? Is there any architecture, um, playwrights? So, well, one thing I cannot speak to is soccer and football because somehow that just went by me throughout my life. My dad was a huge fan. I grew up with it, but I am not a fan. But obviously the Netherlands is famous for it. It's soccer players and the fact that it was once amazing <laughs> at the sports. <laughs> but when you talk about architecture, you know, I'm from the city of Rotterdam uh, and, and that's architecturally an amazing city. That's a fantastic, that's like the, the underdog city. It's like the Manchester to London. It's like the, well, the New York to LA. Why would you say it? Every, every country has two opposing cultural big cities, I'd say. The Netherlands is Amsterdam and Rotterdam. Rotterdam is the is a is a is a beautiful city architecturally, art-wise. There's art everywhere. Uh, very inspiring. Just sorry, just repping Rotterdam here, just promoting the city. <laughs> go visit. <laughs> Don't just focus on Amsterdam, <laughs> people. Go to Rotterdam. <laughs> when you moved to London, did you feel pressured to change your allegiance and? root for another football team no but like i said i didn't care for football so i so i didn't take it or leave it yeah I, I i couldn't care less i all power to the people who do like i said it wasn't my family people loved it my friends all love it somehow it never really got to be when it comes to sports i've always liked doing them you know rather than watching people do sports uh it's kind of the thing so when you're in London and there's a big football match, you just knew at night uh, to stay indoors when all the drunk football fans flooded the streets oh, and oh went God. to the pubs. You you just stayed behind closed doors. Yeah, you asked me about Dutch cultural things, but this is a typical British cultural thing, right? Getting drunk after a football match. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly what happened. I remember my old 
drummer from the band in the Netherlands even visiting in London, and I didn't go to the game. We just met up afterwards because <laughs> I didn't need to see it. Whereas he came all the way to to London to to watch the. Uh, a, a soccer match and it was a disaster getting home i'll tell you i had to get in a cab that was almost impossible to get streets filled with drunken people and you know how oh. they are in london no wear no jackets it's freezing they just drink until they're warm and uh, roaming the streets yelling that's a very uh, very much a london thing yeah <laughs> my goodness so uh, does the netherlands have any famous beer Krolls. I once was in America, ordered Gruls, and a bartender told me I mispronounced the name. Oh no, how is <laughs> it spelled? <laughs> it's the, the first letter, is the same first letter as my name. It's that again. Oh. So it's G-R-O-L-S-C-H. So Americans believe it's Grolsch, but the, the G is not a G, it's a G. And S-E-H is just an S, it's not a sh, it's an S. So it's gross. 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 Yeah. Wow, because I always thought it was gross also. So that's that's probably the most important thing you've told me all day. <laughs> I don't know how to take that. Because <laughs> well, for me, you see, pronouncing uh, Dutch beers is very important for me. I, I, I want to pronounce everything you're a beer correctly. Lover. Are you a beer lover? <laughs> What's that? Are you a beer lover? I do on occasion, yeah. Oh, okay. uh, yeah, not, not to uh, a British soccer fan level. <laughs> you know, I don't want to keep my wits about me, but I, it's nice to try, you know, a beer from another country. Isn't that a great way? You love to travel, you know, besides, you know, tasting the food when you travel is uh, tasting the local beer. Yep. I, I can imagine that. Definitely food, drinks, beer. I get that. I like mm -hmm. Asian beers. I remember drinking Asian beers. I like them. And I actually liked Gros was definitely, in my opinion, better than Heineken. By the way, I live to next to the, uh, very close to the Gros factory in the Netherlands, the Gros brewery, where a disaster happened as well. It was the blue up. The oh, factory, no. uh, yeah, there was a, a national disaster. Many people died. Uh, it was near a place that I worked at the time that was blown up in uh, the explosion as well. It was near oh, a firework uh, factory explosion. And, uh, and uh, yeah, it was, uh, it was a big, scary, uh, scary thing. But uh, that's well, yeah. a bit of a sidetrack. The beer is nice. <laughs> well, that's good. Well, did, did they rebuild the beer factory? Uh, yeah, I think... Uh, yeah, it's, everything was built back to its uh, state, and uh, it uh, it was near. The, it was there was I don't know the exact damage there. It was it was in that area. The whole the, the firework factory blew up uh, near that place, and it was yeah, it was tragic. Uh, a lot a lot of people were died, and uh, oh dear. Well, it was it was it was terrible. It was absolutely well. Just, well, just in case I ever visit there. Does the the current factory have tours, and then at the end do they have free samples? Uh, no clue. I would say okay. uh, <laughs> I would say the best way to find out is to go out there and try. Right. I mean, uh, there you that. go. Well, we're gonna wrap up. I still have a few more questions, but uh, until then, 
Tell us uh, what your online presence is, where people go to find out about you, listen to your music, watch the videos. Uh, where are the best places to go? Facebook is Gus Music. So that's Gus with two U's and then the word music, all in one word. G-U-U-S-M-U-S-I-C. Instagram is the same thing. I've, I'm, I'm not a social media wizard, so I'm pretty new to that. It's, it's not a lot of, uh, <laughs> it's, it's, it's not very big. Facebook is bigger than, uh, than uh, Dead by Instagram. Uh, that's where I show a lot of the new stuff. Uh, also, Goose Music. Twitter, Goose Music 1. It's got a 1 behind it. So a lot of it is Goose Music. Um, then I have my YouTube channel, which is The Goose Hulsker. That's my full name. Might not be smart commercially to use that because nobody knows that. <laughs> but it's the T-H-E-G-U-U-S-H-U-L-S-K-E-R. That's my YouTube uh, channel where you can go. And uh, ultimately I have a site, but uh, that needs a bit of uh, uh, work to, to be done. Plus EPK, uh, Electronic Promotion Kit, uh, G-U-U-S-E-P-K. That uh, needs to uh, need some work. So do like the regular people in your life know about the, the musical side of you? Not everybody. I definitely have two different lives, you know, uh, when it comes to that. Me as a musician and me uh, doing more. Obviously, everybody that knows me, that they know I, I do uh, very passionate about my music. But the release of these videos is definitely a conscious move of me to get out there I am um, actively hooking up with an agency in LA right now that is trying to plug my music. Last attempt was them plugging it into Ozark, it's a track of mine. And um, um, uh, I'm really making efforts there. I'm, I'm, these releases are something new to me, you know, releasing music videos, formally releasing my music. So I have a strong ambition at this point in time to not just make my stuff and share it with my immediate surroundings, but to really get it out into the world more than it has been uh, before in various ways. Mm -hmm. Well, I like the idea of this alter ego of yours, you know, that, you, that you've got this whole music career under the radar, mm -hmm. you know, while, while you're living your other corporate life. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's... Uh, well, I appreciate that you like it. It's uh, <laughs> it's fun, you know. It's a it's it's a varied life, and it's uh, nice to be able to pay the bills. I'll tell you that. I know a lot of people who are in music that only have that, and for those people, life can be tougher, you know, harder to pay the bills. So my other life allows me to 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 travel and and see the world, but it does definitely take up. It's not necessarily only time, but also energy in your life. Uh, to when it comes to uh, making music and, 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 and working on it, you know, I, I wish I had uh, seven days a week to just sit down in a studio and, and do my stuff, but that's unfortunately not the case. What is true, though, is that the time you do spend outside of work on music, you take it more seriously, uh, you know, or, uh, with all the respect for people that do it <laughs> on an ongoing basis, you have a really strong focus. That's what I'm trying to say. That's what I'm trying to make. You know what other man had an alter ego? Tell me. This is Jack the Ripper. <laughs> yes. <laughs> we did a bit of killing on the side. Superman right, had so, an alter ego as well. <laughs> right, so, 
You're like Jack the Ripper without the killing. <laughs> yes. <laughs> You're like the good Jack the Ripper. Or like Batman without the saving lives. Uh, precisely. Okay, we're going to move into the finals here. Uh, okay. First of all, so Scarlett Johansson has a parent. One of her parents is Danish. See, why is it that here in America, we like see no difference between the Netherlands and Denmark? It's far away, isn't it? Isn't that odd? We just group it all together. It's like, oh, same difference. Yeah, that is a bit... You're asking the wrong guy because as a Dutch person, that is quite off, <laughs> I have to say. <laughs> That's On quite other, off. You know, <laughs> you know, when I speak to Dutch people, they also don't know the intricacies of the U.S., you know. Oh, it's California to the left. It's New York to the right, you know. that They may know that, but, uh, you know, it's far away. Although I do think that the Dutch culture is mainly to absorb other cultures. I think it's a Dutch thing. When you watch Dutch TV, you see everything coming in from the U.S. It's all America, America, America. So, mm -hmm. um, and that's that's quite unique to the Netherlands. Watch Italian television. There's not a single word of English on it. It's all Italian cabaret TV shows. Uh, the U.K. sometimes thinks they're the only continent in the world <laughs> when it comes to reporting and uh, no I'm, I'm, I'm exaggerating here but it's uh, and, and, but Netherlands is very specific in the fact that it is yeah it's very much inspired by by the world around itself and um, and and yeah it's, it's I guess America's aimed at America isn't it mm-hmm well, I want to end with talking about travel, which is one of your passions. Mm. You know, you like music, you like travel, and you like not killing people. Yeah, I love good. that. And I managed to do that <laughs> for a long time now. I'm very successful at it. Very good. <laughs> the perfect score. So starting with the United States or, or North America at large, what are the parts of this country you would next like to visit that you have not been to yet? You know what? I really spoiled myself in the last year already. So I, I have seen, I had seen quite a bit already before moving here, uh, including my favorite New Orleans. Uh, I've been to New York and all of that. But in the past year, I've been to Austin, Texas. I've been to Miami. I've uh, been to Los Angeles. Uh, so seeing quite a couple of uh, the big cities that I wanted to see, and then uh, uh, on the opposite side of the spectrum, we have stunning nature that this country slash continent provides, and I've seen that as well. When my dad came by, we did actually a road trip uh, through Grand Canyon, uh, Bryce Canyon, Zion, etc. And uh, so I have already seen a lot. Um, I think Chicago is definitely on the to-do list still. You know, that's that's a place where I'd love to go. San Diego. I mean, I'd love I love cities. I'd love to see all of them. Detroit, Atlanta. I've been to Atlanta already before. Mm -hmm. Nashville with the music. You know, what what have you? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I would think for you, Chicago would be important to go out and hear some jazz there. Oh yeah. I was thinking Chicago I named Chicago and Detroit probably for that reason as well. But the musical right. history. Mm hmm. Absolutely. 
And you also pick some pretty influential music cities, Miami. But Austin has a very unique, you know, musical, um, just how they support music and how they have yeah. um, South by Southwest. Did you feel like Austin was a really hip musical city? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it is. It's, it's, it's as quirky as it gets, you know. It slightly reminiscent of that with New Orleans, actually, in that sense. When you look at New Orleans in terms of quirkiness and uh, in its surrounding environment, it's very different. You know, the uh, I would say Austin is very different from the rest of Texas, right? It's a very quirky, odd place. They have barbershops slash live venues that you need a password for to get in that gets released one hour in advance. They have a music bar in a, in a cargo parking lot. Uh, it's incredibly weird in the best way possible and there's music going on everywhere and a lot of different styles as well i remember going out on sixth street at night dancing at a hip-hop club and then passing some alternative rock joint and um uh, yeah great vibrant city now you're much younger than i am so i can joke about this i know i'm at least a good decade older but that being said, <laughs> when you go to a place like Austin, do you ever start to feel, wow, this is kind of a young town? Do you ever feel that you want to, you know, keep your finger on the beat of what's happening? And I think that's always like, you know, you get the wisdom with age and the experience and you get to have all these references of all your favorite artists. But how important is it to never lose that? Oh, I, I want to, you know, hear what the young people are listening to. You know, I don't want to ever get so old that I'm out of touch with what's going on in music right now. Okay, so I am, I'll start a bit broad with this one, I'm a generalist. I like a little bit of everything. I, uh, in, in, in the music I listen to, it's the same thing. I'm incredibly eclectic in terms of, eclectic in terms of the genres. So I want to make sure I keep track of the artists that I like in the music styles in each genre, but I'm not. Don't go into depth on what is happening now exactly in this scene. I just kind of pick up the best of what's there at that time, at that point in time. And uh, you know, there are certain acts that stand out to me every couple of years that stick with me. And so I'm more like that. I'm right now. I. I've been listening over the last couple of years. There was a lot of Ro James in the, uh, that, that came out. I don't know if you know Ro James, but that's kind of an R&B artist that really stuck out in the way he, he approached R&B. Um, uh, when TV on the radio came out, that's what I wanted to listen to. When Radiohead came out, that's what I wanted to listen to. Outside of the jazz and the soul that I listened to, these are all acts that uniquely stand out in their own way. I definitely want to be up to scratch on that. But it's not like I need to know everything that's going on at this moment. Uh, I, I, I don't have that. I kind of stick to the ones I love. Are you a Herbie Hancock fan? Uh, yeah, that's great. Yeah, yeah, I like Herbie Hancock. Yeah. I know you're an Otis Redding fan, and you said you want to go to like Detroit. Do you have like this sort of idealized look at like Motown? and just all the explosion of R&B from the 60s in the US? Yeah, 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 that'd be great. I, when I was in New Orleans, I um, undid the road trip along um, 
the Blues Highway, they call it. And you get mm -hmm. to see all these different points are actually first going down through the swamps and the plantations. As a cinema geek, I was visiting filming locations that were in, 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 in the bayou and in, in, in all the way up uh, to Memphis, Tennessee, stopping at music locations, you know. Uh, this is where Jerry Lee Lewis was born, B.B. King uh, used to play this, uh, recorded this track here. And it ended with uh, Stax Radio, uh, Stax, Stax Recording Studio. And uh, that was amazing. We bought this CD there, played that on, on the road uh, back at night as well, listening to the music. Yeah, I loved doing that. I thought it was fantastic to really dive into uh, musical history. That was of the South, of course, which is immediately linked to another part of history of the South. So it was fascinating. But uh, yeah, I definitely love to kind of uh, take a bite out of that when going to the city of Motown or indeed when it comes to the, the history of jazz in Chicago. Uh, very appealing. Very good. All right. Three final questions. Sure. Keep it brief here. Okay. First one. <laughs> Touch your order. <laughs> it's kind of scary to think, oh, my God, what's he going to ask? So if you ever moved away from the beautiful city of San Francisco, where else in the United States would you like to live? So I'll, I'll almost want to let you answer that. Obviously, I have preference for New Orleans, but uh, uh, my wife's not into that. Thinks it's a bit, uh, it's, it's not... Uh, it's a bit gritty. It's a bit dark, according to her. Uh, a lot of music. We're she's more of a practical nature, and we're looking closer to home. So when it comes to where to move, we're looking at house prices as well, and it's a very hard toss-up between Los Angeles and uh, and San Francisco. Uh, Los Angeles is uh, was more affordable than uh, than than the Bay Area. So uh, that's that's it's it's going to be either one of those. Or both. Was that okay. short enough? <laughs> no, that, no, that was good. Um, well, you're asking recommendation. Well, I, I'm from Seattle, so have you been to Washington State? No, and I have to say, I'm also mentioning LA. I went to LA with the guitar on my back, played open mics there. I met shitloads of musicians, producers, and um, that's why I had such an amazing time in Los Angeles because I coming there, I encountered a lot of people in the music industry. But I know people that I met there that now have set up uh, their 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 thing, their stations in Seattle. And mm -hmm. so I've been looking at that more, and it looks pretty spectacular. Uh, it's it's a beautiful city uh, as well. And obviously, I was a teenager when grunge came. You know, that's mm -hmm. something I couldn't miss. Alice in Chains, that kind of stuff. And uh, so that has its own musical history as well, uh, that city. So, yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I just, I want to visit the whole country. I think it's all beautiful, right? But, uh, <laughs> yeah, that's definitely the spot I'd love to see as well. See, it's nice you referenced Alice in Chains before Nirvana or Pearl Jam. This is this is the thing. I like all genres, but I have a definite softness and weakness for acts that are with an edge, with grit, that dare more. They're either darker or nastier or whatever you want to call it. And by far, Alice in Chains compared to the other acts 
didn't have to be as loud to come across as hard and mean as they did. That's why I was definitely a favorite of mine in that uh, in that era. So you've made two pretty bold moves in your life, moving from the Netherlands to mm. the UK and then from there to the United States. Mm. How do you prepare to make a big move like that, both practically and mentally? Well, good question. I really recall any preparations, usually the result of a a long-time desire or a consideration, right? I mean, I think uh, the UK was a very practical consideration during the crisis to to get a job. And honestly, I used to work in Paris a lot as well, and I wasn't too crazy about London. But um, I tend to go in everything <laughs> unprepared <laughs> with an open vision, you know? That's, that's the part of the fun of travel jumping into situations, locations, peoples, cultures that you don't know and see what the heck happens. Um, so I tend to try to not to be too prepared, I think, and, and just let it wash all over me. I won't get into the details on the practical side of bank accounts and social security numbers, but uh, mentally that's, uh, there's not a lot of preparation going on and moving to the US was, was a dream of mine since since a long time um so um yeah so basically you just you plunge in and, and then your wife has to work out all the details <laughs> no practically i can be very structured organized perfectionist as well i admittedly my wife does a lot of organizational stuff but i do the other stuff uh but i just didn't want to bore you with the organizational details around it uh so that's uh, that's 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 not as exciting. But I think, yeah, it's it's more the mental part uh, that I'd say I'd love to just just jump into uh, to new stuff, new places, and experiences. Absolutely. Okay, this is a bonus question, not the last question. So you're here in the U.S. If you have a kid, it could be a U.S. citizen. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, secretly, that's actually a reason. You know, just wanted to make that anchor baby. <laughs> That's what they see, call it. See, that, it? I, see, I wasn't even thinking that. I was just thinking culturally, you know, what what would that be like? Uh, that'd be amazing. That would be amazing. My wife was born in Zambia, uh, not necessarily in great wealth, right? Her parents made the jump to 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 uh, to go to London to provide a different life for their their children. Um, I came from the Netherlands and I've always traveled, moved around, and uh, so so. Uh, what was the question again? <laughs> Just I think you know if say you you know you settled down here and, and had some kids. Yes, they, sorry, sorry. But would you want to, at that point, move back to the Netherlands so no, you could no. raise them there? Sorry for losing my train of thought there. The point that I was was going to make is that uh, neither of us have strong ties. We made an effort to leave where we came from. That was an effort of the previous generation for my wife, uh, an effort for the both of us in our current lives. 
and we're just looking to continuously upgrade your life you know continuously go get new experiences and and, uh, and enjoy different places and so if we have a kid here in the u.s that's going to be a damn lucky kid you know i think that's yeah. that's just going to be absolutely amazing yeah i would take it back to to the netherlands but um i don't feel the need to return i want to enjoy live life to the fullest and then move on to the next stage and enjoy that and that's what i've done in the netherlands and london through my travels here and my time in in, in in the u.s granted i want to stay in the u.s but um yeah no i don't feel the need to uh, to go back but it's going to be a lucky kid that can grow up in the beautiful bay area for example visit family in london and the netherlands and in africa as well so mm -hmm. wish i had that <laughs> Well, say you do raise kids here. What are the most important parts of your culture you want to pass on to them and not have them lose, whether it's, you know, from the Netherlands side or the Zambia side? You know, what, what are like the, the basic cultural things you want to pass on, whether it's a favorite recipe from the Netherlands or a tradition? You know, what, what's important for you to pass on to your kids? There's, there's one priority which Dutch culture, me in particular, my wife and her culture share, which is by far number one with the distance for everything else, is a zero tolerance for BS. No nonsense. Authenticity. Realness, honesty and truth. That's, that's what I'm all about and that's, that's, that's the key thing. People can be all kinds of ways, I don't care how you are, but you got to be genuine. I think that's uh, that's that's the main thing. Would you say that's a classic Dutch trait? Oh yeah, oh yeah. I don't. I haven't heard about this. I mean, the Netherlands is known for telling it like it is, and specifically moving from the Netherlands to London, which is the opposite. I was considered well, not the opposite, in uh, very polite in the UK or in Belgium, and the Dutch are incredibly straightforward, which can definitely be interpreted as blunt, and loud. In, uh, in other countries so uh straightforward telling it like it is do you think americans are too friendly no are no. they too nice no i don't think so i think it's hard to speak about americans for what i mentioned earlier because americans this is such a huge country people are different mm -hmm. everywhere in uh, in uh, in the u.s but uh, I think for me, what's more visible, you know, is the same as you'd see in any country, is uh, there's a strong difference between the cities and elsewhere, right? If you're in London and you go to Manchester, it's incredible the change you see in people. And if you live in the city, you know, granted, San Francisco is, is an opposite from New York, but I think both of them are opposites from small towns in the rest of the country. Where you meet the friendly people uh in in the smaller towns that you visit throughout the country whereas when you're in the big city uh very often somebody up for telling you the truth to your face <laughs> without messing mm -hmm. about they can be very honest uh both in san francisco or in new york or in any big city in the u.s i think so uh yeah yeah well i've heard people say about my hometown seattle that the people there are, are nice on the surface but actually kind of passive aggressive mm -hmm. and it was so interesting the first time i heard that because i thought what are we perceived that way so i've always that stuck in my mind like hmm and i thought wow maybe they're right but it's kind of like you almost need outsiders to come in 
to point out the things that you can't yeah. see because you're too close to it. Totally. And that's that's that traveling and learning thing that I mentioned, right? It's you get to know yourself so much better by placing yourself in a different environment. And I totally hear what you're saying because I'm saying it very convinced convincingly now about the bluntness and the directness of the Dutch. And I kind of knew it, but I never realized it as much as when I moved to London. You know, that's where you you get you struggle with communication, you know? I actually think that when people say something, then that is what they say. That's what you think is Dutch person. In London, that's not necessarily the case. There could be many reasons why somebody says something. And it's really having to get used to that and also having to get used to the fact that you may, you know, uh, treat people wrongly when you're being too honest and too direct. And, uh, and I, I think that is much, much more visible when you step outside of your own world. Definitely. I totally hear that. Now, have I been blunt enough with you? <laughs> I think you've been very friendly. <laughs> <laughs> very good. See, I tried. That's This is me trying really hard to be blunt. So oh, is it so? you, got me, you got me at my bluntest today. <laughs> really? <laughs> well, they are definitely very friendly, I'll tell you that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay, final question, probably the most important thing we'll talk about all day. Okay, here we go. So, you know, the well, the big trend right now is on TikTok for mm. people to make their music available and people make TikTok videos to it. So, if you made Baron Saturday and Moon Hanging Man available, how would you like to see people, especially young people, make really cool 60-second TikTok videos of your music? Oh, I'd love to see that. I would love to see that. How I would like to see it, I have no clue, right? I mean, I told you earlier that I'm trying to get my music into film and TV. And yeah, I mentioned an example with Ozark or TV series like that that show the South where I can imagine that my music would fit with Right. So that's a preset notion of visuals that I would love to see under my audio. Um, but it's actually really exciting to not have that preset notion. I also mentioned that I'm working with some hip hop producers right now. And the whole point is that I want to hear my music in a way that I haven't heard it before and can be totally surprised. So that's the same goes here. I would love to be surprised. I have no. <laughs> preset notion or desire on how that would happen but specifically given the fact that a lot of my music is very much reaching back to the early days the old music i would love to see the younger generation on social media see what what the heck they would do with that yeah i'd love to see that mm -hmm. and do you ever perform live not at the moment no i mean since since i mean i i hooked up with uh a variety of, of, of people in, in the UK and, and played some some bars, etc. Uh, and, and again, there was a variety of people. I was not a really set up band that was, was working with African drummers that kind of changed every year, basically. And uh, a saxophone player that I could always call, but it wasn't really like a band setting. And um, since my move to the US, I've been doing what I, what I mentioned earlier is really just more than creation and i'm still creating in the sense that i'm working on you know re refining and producing getting tracks of mine produced that i have lying around because uh, there's a, a lot of repertoire lying around that has never been released uh producing that doing it in new forms 
um, um, like creating the hip hop versions or trying, um, I want to work with some African drummers here in the US as well to make different versions of tracks that I have to record. Um, but on top of that, a lot of the focus is on getting my music out there, right? Through, through whether it be through sync licensing, through uh, formalizing my release process and, and, and really getting it out there like that. And so the creation of new stuff and, and executing it is, uh, is uh, low at the moment. Mm -hmm. So after you're done promoting the two recent songs, do you have any plans to go back into the recording studio this year? Um, yes, and yeah, the recording studio. Yeah, I think it's. I think there's uh, quite a bit of material that I have that needs to be cleaned up, like I just said, and that's what I want to do. There's some stuff. There's some more stuff that is currently unreleased because that's sometimes preferred in the sync licensing world. That is going to come out later. Uh, but I think it's going to be mainly working on production of tracks that have already been created to the largest extent and different versions of that. Uh, but I do a lot of that, not necessarily, it's, it's a digital world now. So I'm working with people overseas, right? I'm working on the hip hop track with a producer in Atlanta. I produced another track of mine with a guy from Eastern Europe. Um, and I have bits played like African drums, somebody delivers me the audio file and I use that. So because I don't have a band here in San Francisco, I'm not physically going into a studio and, 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 and doing that. So that's, that's how I'm at the moment getting by working with uh, musicians and producers across the globe through the internet. So if you were able to perform live, mm -hmm. what would be like your favorite cover tune to do? You know, somebody else's song? You mean something not written by me? Yeah, like say you had a favorite Tom Waits song that you could perform. You know, what Jockey would be like that? Bourbon. You know, Jockey Full of Bourbon, Tom Waits. Okay, that would be the one. I recently thought about how LL Cool J's doing it would sound fully acoustic. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Very nice. different. But... Uh, yeah. Yeah, Tom Waits, Jockey Full of Bourbon is definitely uh, uh, a favorite of mine. Mm -hmm. Now, have you ever performed in a nightclub? Uh, yeah. yeah Did you miss that? Uh, yeah, that will be nice as well. It's I, I miss it, but I just have a different focus, right? You do what you do at that time. And in London, I really enjoyed meeting people, playing in bars sometimes, and playing with different people, getting inspired by them, listening how to songs of mine would sound if I would play it with different setups. And I really enjoyed that at that time. But what I'm focusing on right now means that I'm focusing on that. So I don't really mentally, actively miss it. That'll come when it comes. Well, if you end up doing a tour of the U.S., mm -hmm. maybe you could get Chris to sponsor you. Chris sponsors Chris. <laughs> <laughs> the unpronounceable tour is what it's going to be called. That's right. The, the, the guttural tour. 
Exactly. Well, um, I would love to meet up some people, to meet, to meet some people in, in the Bay Area to hook up with uh, later on. Now, I mean, just to, to add to what you're saying about missing it, I would love to physically do that stuff again. But it's just a different, uh, it's a different time now. But uh, maybe then I would uh, do the Grolsch Gries tour. Well, as we wrap up, uh, I want you to say a greeting to your fans in Dutch. Yeah. Okay. Iedereen die geluisterd heeft, ontzettend bedankt voor het luisteren. Het is fantastisch om uh, 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 met jullie hier te zijn. En ik hoop dat jullie wat opgepakt hebben en me wat beter kennen. En uh, heb een fantastisch weekend. That's it. That means, so that meant have a fantastic weekend? Yeah, have a great weekend was the ending. Yeah, just thank everybody. Hope they enjoyed it and that they felt like they got to know me a little better. I think they did, very much so. So, his name is Goos. The current singles, I'm never going to get that right, but I will practice for the next time. <laughs> the current singles are Baron Saturday and the just-released Moon Hanging Man. You can see the videos online, check out more. And I just want to say thank you so much, not for sharing your music, but for really being my first you know, inside peek into the Netherlands. So you're you're a real sport. Really enjoy all that I've learned and hope we get a chance to chat again. Fantastic. Well, same here. Thank you so much. Thank you to everybody that's listening. Thank you to everybody that's checking out my music or that is going to check out my music. Chris music, check it out. Thanks, thanks, thanks. It's been absolutely great. I really uh, appreciate uh, the time you've given me today.